Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I am Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Shad. This is the uh, this is the episode we're doing the light right before Thanksgiving. Yeah. yeah. So I, gobble, gobble, gobble. gobble I like your I liked your I smoked a pack of cigarettes before I did the intro voice this week, Shad. <laughs> I have a little bit of a sinus infection going that I'm I am I'm, I'm yeah, hello. Hello, this yeah, is Iris. You, this is Iris Crawley. Oh, what was you his helping, name? Um, you hoping to get through the switchboard? What was his name in, when he was doing NWA commentary? Was he Stu Bennett? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, I've, I've got some bad news. Yes. I'm, I'm here from the, uh, from the commentary desk, and I'm afraid I've got some bad information i love how he trolled that <laughs> yeah he'd, he'd tease it and then he'd troll them with it he had good he had good rapport with um with the play-by-play guy too yeah this is a really dumb question but i know he's been doing commentary mm-hmm. uh and i actually like him on commentary i think he's good but d- is he wade barrett or is he Stu bennett Stu bennett the NXT? No, he's, he's Wade Barrett in oh. NXT, I think. In NXT. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't I realize didn't... he was back there doing that. Yeah, he came, he went back last year, I think, he started doing it. I like Stu Bennett better than Wade Barrett, honestly. I wish he would have kept Stu Bennett. And he's basically retired from entering stuff. I think I so. Because so. he, he could never stay healthy. Oh, that's a shame. I actually thought he was much better than... He kind of got credit for, and I think they could they could have used him better. Like he could have been like a a good upper mid card. He needed a secondary promotion, I think, because in WWE, he just was not their mold of a wrestler. And I think he was good enough that they would do stuff with him. But like I think you could have done like world title stuff with him. And um, they just never did. It seemed like his body would just give out on him in the most inopportune and, times. And he had, like, those bad kind of injuries. It was always, like, joint and muscle injuries, which just... I think some guys just don't have the genes to um to hold up. You know, like, when... you know like well, when you, you know not the WWE way. Well, but you know, like, when you're, like, in, like, the NFL, when you know it's time for a guy to retire because of the... T- like, he starts getting those, like, his body just can't do it injuries anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like connective, well, connective, some sort of connective tissue, or like when Tony Romo just started having like bones in his back break, like off of like yeah. nothing hits. Ooh, because he had like what? Mm. Did, oh, what, what did he have happen? He broke his collarbone, but like the one that he finally retired off of was like something in his back, I think. 
it was i thought it was some sort of vertebral uh, injury yeah so we was... have like osteopenia like that it would that he would have like a specific weakness in the bones for that I don't know. I, I, I just remember that's what it was, and he just was getting a lot of broken bones. I know in the NHL, it was just a big deal because Jack Eichel got traded because he wants... He's, so he broke his neck, and he is try, he try, he got he forced a trade out because the Buffalo Sabres wanted him to get neck fusion surgery, and he's like, I'm not doing that. Mm-hmm. And um, so he got traded to Las Vegas because they're going to let him try a disc replacement surgery instead of a fusion surgery, which um, Chris Weidman did, I think, three or four years ago in the UFC, mm-hmm. instead of a neck fusion, which um, it's it's a hotly contested thing, but to me it's like once you do the first neck fusion, you're going to just keep getting them until you can't move your head anymore. So <laughs> I think I would go for the non-fusion too and take my so chances someone, with it. As someone, again, who's not in the medical field, but I know, I've, I know a lot about the medical stuff because I their medical records I, I deal with in my job but I wouldn't I would say if you have to absolutely have to have surgery on your spinal column cervical lumbar first off do everything in your power to avoid it because once you start doing surgeries it's it just, they don't always work it's like um, you have to have it's kind of a cascading mm-hmm. thing where like it's going to make other parts of it fail and they're just going to keep fusing it it can stuff um, so if you can if you can do a disc replacement that's much better um, once you start talking about fusions that's first off you don't always need the fusions that's really more when you have a, a, a quite a big uh, amount of st- what they call stenos- stenosis which is when kind of like the the sheath or area around your actual like spinal cord starts narrowing I think Edge has and that doesn't he. He has cervical stenosis, which it's like uh, if it has improved, which sometimes it can, not that it's like per se going to weigh, but it can improve with surgeries and things. Uh, I don't know if it's still wise to be going and doing like bumps and all, but, you know, he's I presume he's gotten medical cleared, but avoid avoid fusion surgeries if at all possible. Fusion surgeries are kind of like. I don't say last ditch, but that's more like they really have to go in there and do a lot of stuff. And you're right. Like it's problematic because once they start fusing stuff, they can start fusing other stuff and you're never quite a hundred percent. Like look at Kurt Angle. Like he, yeah. didn't he have a fusion? He did. Never quite, never quite right after that. And it's just, that's just how the body works. Like it's, it's the modern, the, the marvels of modern medicine that you can even do something like that. And you can still have a good quality of life and, you know, perhaps a non, performance sports uh career but it, it is it is a serious surgery and it can be difficult so yeah re- replacement surgeries are the same way like with hips or um your <clears throat> knees and stuff if you need to get it replaced uh most mm-hmm. people i know in the medical field usually say like if you can if you can deal with it like hold it off as long as possible because the longer yes. you hold off the lifespan get... like so my dad had <clears throat> has had both of his hips replaced and mm. I think he had it done five years apart. And his second hip had 10 years more lifespan than his first hip did, just from five mm. years of difference. So the longer you the longer you hold off, the better the technology gets and the longer they last. And the other reason you don't want to get that done too early is because if, um, if you get it done at 40, you're going to have to get it replaced. But if you get it done at like 50 or 60, you might not have to get it replaced. 
just do the so, lifespan and um dying before they need replaced because um yeah all right so let, i want to go ahead and and uh, we didn't mention that this is thanksgiving week episode which means we want to get our shout outs because right after thanksgiving comes black friday which means that if you hit up collar and elbow the wrestling brand collar and elbow brand.com and you use the promo code black 30 that is B L A C K three zero at checkout. You can save 30% off your order. And they have some shirts going on there on clearance for like about 10 bucks a shot in that. Actually, the world class one is only eight. <laughs> right. They're, they're around, they're summer, summer eight, summer 10, summer 12 in the clearance. Um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of good choices. And if you just want to use our promo code because you like us, the promo code is Four Corners Podcast. The number four capital C and corners capital P and podcast with no spaces. But that'll that'll get you ten percent off, and they don't stack together. Actually, I'm wearing so, my all uh, Japan. I'm wearing my all Japan logo, collar and elbow. Uh, the, the yellow sport of kings one. <laughs> no, the, there's an all Japan one. It's the all Japan logo. Oh, the all Japan one. Okay. Yeah, because I went because after the after the con, I got. I got the Mid South one, the World Class one, and the All Japan ones on an order. Uh, the I'm, one that I I really want is uh, I don't think it's on the website. It's the the one that's made to look like Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Oh, the you logo. should I should have asked you because yeah, I got that one. I got. Yeah, the, I, I want that one badly. You should if, just email. If, you should just email them and ask if they have them and they'll if they'll sell you one. Yeah. Um, probably could. Yeah, I bet they would. I myself, I have Which the, one's uh, the Amazon one? I mean, it's not the Amazon one. The Al Japan one. Um, I sent a picture when I got it. It it just it has the logo and it just says, um, like, collar and elbow. Hmm. They, they, they have a lot of the... They ha, they, I, I wish they would do um, a Mid-Atlantic one, but what they, what they did is they have a, a line that has, like, logos from old promotions and then it has, like, collar and elbow instead of the, the promotion's name. I see. I myself, I'm rocking the uh, mirror image hoodie again because it just fits so good and it's so comfortable. Our other shout out, we go to Matt. What's our shout out? Uh, yeah, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Orlando Cologne, the man you want to invite to your Thanksgiving dinner. I know I would personally invite him to mine. You can have a turkey, you can have some uh, stuffing, biscuits. He can eat some green bean casserole. I don't really like green bean casserole, but I'm not down with green bean casserole it. either. I am not. I like, I like beans if they are roasted. I don't like, uh, I don't like the casserole aspect of it. I'm just in it for the sweet potato, um, <laughs> stuff. Well, my like, mom does that, and it's hilarious because she brings it, and most of us are just in it for like the, the, the topping, which is like a caramelized thing with like nuts on it. So most of us are just there for that, and the sweet potato is like an afterthought. I'm down for – I'm not down for green bean casserole. I'm down for broccoli casserole, oddly enough. Black. And then my wife has this really good um, uh, like hash brown casserole she does. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would think about that. It, hash it browns, is. that is the best side at um, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> that's, that's good. So, um, 
it's it's yeah uh we we could go so so far down the rabbit hole on thanksgiving stuff but matt i sent you uh, i sent you a picture of that all japan shirt yeah looks good the uh but we've got a few things to cover before we get into our main topic tonight which one are we gonna start with uh Um, well we had more wwe releases uh Yep. Are there any big surprises this time, or are they all kind of just like, yep, those are definitely... Those were people that... Uh... Uh, I need to find the list. Let's see yeah, here. I, I, I would actually... I have to see the list, too, but I would actually say that... Oh, is that Swerve, the... Swerve Scott and that other yeah. guy? Because everyone was clowning yeah. him because he made that, we're fine because dollar. we can promo... And it's like, yeah, they oh. that aged poorly. Oh, and uh, yeah, yeah, John releasing Morrison. The rest of, uh, releasing the rest of Hit Row was kind of like a shock to me. Well, Swerve Scott was just the North American champion until a couple weeks ago. Well, yeah, they brought, they brought Hit Hit Row up for like, what, a month? I feel the like... The main roster, they're gone. Already. I feel like... Because I guess the one guy's mad because Meltzer said he was not well-liked backstage. And I kind of feel bad for... Um, Oh, who what was what was Swerve Scott's name on the Indies? Uh, God, now I'm, now I'm drawing a blank. I I know this. I know too because I've seen him wrestle. I do not know. Oh, uh, Shane Strickland. Yeah, Shane Strickland. Um, mm. I feel like he kind of got sunk getting getting tied up with the other guy. Top Dollar is that his name? Oh uh, yeah, Top Dollar. I feel like he, I feel like his career got tanked in WWE because he got, he got, um, he got saddled with the other guy. Mm. Well, they also had another guy with them, which was Ashanti the Adonis. Mhm. They all got sent off. How does? Can I ask you how? So we've had three rounds of releases the last couple weeks. How does a boring piece of cardboard like austin theory still have a job they are they know. must be high on him i, I do don't not know, know how he's got pictures of doing who with what but he's got that you had you had ec3 and you kept you kept austin theory like it just blows my mind and i never even thought much of him when he was in evolve i always thought he was boring um i mean john charisma of zero. I think John Morrison was an agreed upon. Like you fired my wife. Yeah, I think like, he, I think he asked to leave. Like you fired my wife, and I'm playing second fiddle to the Miz. Like just let me go. Yeah, and then the true travesty of these releases that's happened is the release of Drake Maverick before he won the 24/7 title and got to consummate his marriage. Um, that's crunch chain. Yeah, because <clears throat> people are people are laughing. He like already had a video in <laughs> ready to go that as soon as he got released like minutes later he's like throwing it up on there it's like hey knew this is coming yeah he he knew what was up but serious I, I uh his drake maverick stuff his rockstar spud stuff i've seen stuff here and there and i gotta tell you the dude cracks me up i the guy has comedic timing that's just amazing. Provided he's not doing some lame piss himself angle. He's a good um, worker too, but you know can't have a little guy doing stuff in WWE. No. Oddly, they, uh, my favorite moment of his 
I'm sorry, Matt. I, I, I'll, no, I'll you're good. Uh, you're stop good. in a second. But my favorite moment of his was him in Impact teaming in like a lethal lottery style thing with Bully Ray. And they wind, they're winding up to do Bully Ray's bionic elbow thing. And when he does like the, the hip thrust thing, he's Rockstar Spud. He just starts doing that, but he doesn't stop. And he's just standing in the ring doing the hip thrust thing over and over and over again. <laughs> Everyone stops and is just staring at him like, dude, what are you doing? Until he finally kind of turns around and realizes what's happening. But at that point, I'm just doubled over in laughter. There's one. He's, um, he's willing to go full bore for a joke. There's one. Um, I think it might have been Colin Delaney. Colt was Colt Cabana and Chikara was bionic elbowing everyone. And like Colin Delaney, I think it was, or it was his brother, um, who mm-hmm. I can't remember his name now, like rips his elbow pad off, throws it on the mat and elbow drops his elbow pad and then gets bionic elbowed. <laughs> oh, Scotty Too Hotty got released today. We dodged he had the curse a job? on that one. Yeah, he asked he for his release. Was he a producer or an agent? Yeah, coaching and producing. It's probably an agent, right? Yes. He, he was coach, coach and producer for NXT. And so he asked to leave. That has to be an awful job. At least you don't have to travel. Man, they're going to just have no one the way they're going. Um, Apparently Jackson Riker just had a, just an insane amount of heat before he got cut. Which, uh, let's be honest for a second, that's not... Oh, shock. Shock, yeah. That that comes from Fightful, so I give it some credence. No, Sean um, Sean um, Sean Ross Sapp's good. Yeah. It's like when you get into um, it's when you get into what's that jackass's name that was on there, that failed Fox One show they did, that tries to act like he's credible but he's not. Ryan Satin. It's not like yeah, that no. asshole Ryan. Oh Saturn. yeah. Oh, he's he's a known he's a known shill, and I don't think he still is, but he was at one point under the WWE payroll. So no, he was. I still nothing think he is. He's, yeah, but remember nothing he, he says could be taken with a grain of salt. He did that whole like um, Bailey and Sasha were on the floor crying. Yeah. When um, they were gonna yeah. lose the tag titles, and people still parrot that, even though Meltzer was like, "No, that's that's bullshit." That never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, so, fuck Sasha him. has said that that's. That didn't happen, yeah. and it caused for like considerable mental anguish. If people were but, thinking that that bullshit rumor. I, I, to be honest, that's that's one of those things that I would think would be like fall under like libel territory. Is is to report something like that that didn't happen? Yeah, they can't. That they would. They wouldn't. In that case, not you can't really on. prove a, a negative. Mm-hmm. It's not like um. It's not like the kid that CNN lied about and there was video that they lied about what happened and then he took them for. He just said how much he took them for. I think he took them for 250 million. Wow. Yeah, he ain't working no more. By the way, and then there was also the story of the fan who attacked Seth Rollins. Um, Yeah, that happened on Raw this week. There was a uh, story that came out from Fightful again, Sean Ross Scott, who said the guy who attacked Seth Rollins got scammed and catfished by a fake Seth Rollins account. So that story got went from uh, it's another fan diving in to attack somebody to weird 
in no what? time at all. What? Do we? Did, and, did and they I, know what? Can it, so I I did not hear this. So yeah. what? What like so? Did he? Did he still to this point think it was Seth Rollins? And like what? Did, did do we know like details of what this this catfish like involved? I'm not he, sure that was from that was from Fightful again, but I don't have I don't have a subscription there, so I don't have access to everything. So I didn't, didn't follow all of it today. But there was a, a really good kind of thread or not thread, but at least like uh, a guy that I follow on our Twitter feed who actually runs the Tiger Driver website. Yeah. Um, uh, his handle is not Chris. OK, uh, that's Chris with a K. So not uh, N-O-T-K-H-R-I-S. He's a really good follow. He's funny. Oh, God, uh, actually, I didn't even does... know Tiger Driver still existed. Wow. my mind. Uh, yeah, it's mostly doing just merchandise now, but he's yeah. uh, he's he's a really funny guy. He has a lot of interesting stuff to say about wrestling. Um, he did a whole kind of tweet storm about the guy, and he's yeah. going through because this guy's like Instagram and other stuff has been leaked, and it's it's not just weird; it's like sad. Like it, if you look at it and you read some of the stuff that the guy was posting, it's clear. You gotta be careful because you don't want to actually make allegations that you don't know anything about. But it does seem apparent that the guy is not mentally well. Yeah. Like, really, it, it seems like he attacked Seth not just because like he thinks he got scammed by Catfisher, which he did. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's like he he said he he was saying he did it because, because for Roman, like he was doing it to help Roman. Oh. He wanted to help. He helped. He wanted to help Finn Balor because like right before that there was a match where, you know. Then Finn Balor got injured by Seth Rollins. It's like, it's just the man seems to have some breaks with reality, perhaps. So yeah, it's, that's that's it, getting it, into it, weird. That's unfortunate. It turned, it turned dark and weird and sad. Yeah. Um, it basically turned from like, cause you know, like when guys jump wrestlers, the the inclination is to be like, oh fuck that guy. I hope he I hope like security or tuned him up. Uh, which is kind of natural because it's like it's these are performers like Mm -hmm. let them do their thing if you hate them it's like well they're doing their jobs a heel uh -hmm. but don't don't lay hands on them uh but this guy so everyone was like yeah fuck this guy until all this stuff came out and it becomes like oh shit like you know feel bad for beating up mentally ill person well the problem is with some of that stuff and i wish more people online would have that discipline is sometimes like like this situation like the details come out and you're just like you know what like i'm just gonna walk away because it is either too convoluted or too sad to even like talk about anymore seth actually handled himself really well like he he was like yelling at the guy afterwards but when the guy tackled him he basically immediately threw the guy in like a front face lock yeah yeah and held him there until security got him off him mm-hmm. uh, that, he never that's the seemed... safest move you can do because yeah. the thing and is he never seemed like a particular danger but no. the thing no. is um mm. you're in a really rough spot as a wrestler because um you don't want to get hurt for starters so yeah. you need to do something to neutralize them but then you like run into this weird thing where you have to fend them off but you probably don't want to hurt them too much because then you're getting into weird like liability territory mm-hmm. and um it it was a it, weird it was a weird altercation though because it was very um it's very different I don't know it, I've seen like a lot of those altercations over the years and it was just kind of different 
from the other See, ones if, I've seen. Seth handled it well, like you said. You know, he just he basically just snatched that face lock to hold the guy, and, and so you know, security could do their job. That's honestly that's the safest, like most professional way to handle it. But in general, and it, it would vary across different jurisdictions and in different states. But if someone, you know, hops the clearly designated barrier and runs in to, to attack somebody in the ring, they are very clearly, you know, encroaching into a cordoned off area to do harm to you. And with the whole Dimebag Daryl thing, it's just like you don't take mm. chances anymore. So. Uh, I, I never, I never had that happen. But if if I'd been having a match and someone hopped in the ring and came at me, I'm not holding any. I would not have held anything back because it's like this person I don't know who's not part of the show jumped in the ring, came at me with the obvious intent to do harm. Yeah, but we're, I I think defend though, myself. I think though, like if you go to kick the guy or something and you slip, then you break your leg or your ankle or something, then you just you know, fucked yourself for money and all that stuff. I think it's easier just to do the least work possible to neutralize them because, like I said, I mean, you don't want the guy to twist weird and, like, just, you know, have your shoulder yeah. pop or... Like, it's, like I said, it's a really bad position for him to be in because suddenly, like, you got to defend yourself, but it's also like, oh, crap, like, now my livelihood's could be in jeopardy yeah. if i if i just screw up and i mean it's also seth yeah. rollins so you're probably like i don't have never heard of the guy having like a legit background like as a fighter or anything too so it's also like ah shit you know yeah that's it's like that's, if you're it's like if you're rick flair back in the day and some guy like gets you and you're or like jim Cornette, and just like ah oh, damn it well uh, yeah hence the story of Cornette uh with the racket um and he'd load it and all that kind of stuff he said he didn't do uh, that until they went to mid-south well mid-south's where he needed it, it mm. the thing that gets there was a story that kevin nash had from when he first got in the business he's super green he's had like five matches he's in the back watching this match and you know all hell breaks loose and it's just full right well these this fan jumps in the ring it's this big old, big old fan, and Cornette flips the racket sideways and just cracks this guy over the head with it and, like, splits him, splits him open down his forehead. And then it's on. And I don't remember who was standing at, standing there at the end. It was probably Dutch Mantel looks at him and goes, come on, big man, let's go. And Nash is just like, it's on, I guess. Um, you know, it, it's especially in the old days, stuff like that happens. And there's, yeah, there's, I'm gonna there's a good Cornette. A I was going to say, there's a good Cornette one from Dallas where there was just stuff going on outside the ring and an old lady tried to hit him with a chair. Yeah. And the chair was too heavy and she fell over. Yeah. And he and said everybody like, thought that he hit her because yeah. Cause he was in close proximity. He said like the place just turned real ugly. And like, he just like, he just ran to the middle of the ring because you know, that's, at least you have like sort of a barrier there. He said it didn't yeah. turn into a right, but he said like you could feel that energy just like turn real. Kind of like bad. the uh, the spot where um, I'm blanking on Ray his Phoenix name now. Kicks, um, Phoenix Aubrey. and Aubrey, yeah. Yeah. 
my the the dovetail on the story that I enjoy so much that and and apparently this made it into law textbooks was that um, there was a there was a court case brought against uh, Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express in West Virginia for uh, verbal assault that was placed on a fan um, by by Cornette and it got dismissed because the judge said there is no way that somebody said this many insults in the amount of time that you're claiming he did. <laughs> and Cornette said my favorite insult in that whole thing was you black lung son of a bitch. There's um there's one there's a there's a run in from baseball. I think it's from like two thousand three, two thousand four. I couldn't find a clip. It was it was a white it was at a White Sox game. And mm-hmm. they ran up on this this umpire on first base and they, they unfortunately pick someone that was like a Marine in his past life. So this guy runs up the ump like sidesteps him, just like plucks his hand out of nowhere and just takes him down by like his fingers. Yeah. And then just starts shoving his face into the ground. And all these players like ran over and started like beating the shit out of the guy. But um, mm-hmm. I always think of that one because like the, the ump, like with no effort, just like totally took the guy out, like totally yeah. just like plucked his like finger and like took him down. The other thing, um, just for, and I don't know if, if if this stood out to anybody, maybe it did, but if you ever saw someone uh, hitting the ring, um, how completely differently, like the wrestlers react to them, because they don't rear back and punch you, like they go for like those real short, stiff shots and and real short. You know, if if someone came in the ring at me, I'm not throwing big looping kicks. It's going to be like real short shots, real short knees, real short elbows. They usually go to like they usually go to like get on top of them as they're getting in the ring. Yeah, they usually pin them down. Sometimes they'll they'll lay some in, but in most cases, the ideal situation is face down on the mat with you over their back or, or if you're randy anderson you just like deadlift the guy by a shirt so you can like start like cranking on his neck i just watched that last night i was like <laughs> don't I was, you like, start off with a nice foot to the face yeah and but he yeah. like he like just picked the guy up like by a shirt like oh that he had some he had some power in there yeah hildebrand kicked the guy in the face too and then just took him down <laughs> but, then but, he, he just guillotined hildebrand him Hildebrand almost did like the Randy Orton punt to the guy's yeah, face. No, Rand, yeah, no, like Brian Hildebrand like totally murked that guy. <laughs> but I, what I was going to say well, too, though, for Seth Rollins, the, an understated mm-hmm. part is, and what probably sucks for him is his, his tights and stuff are probably slick, which yeah. made like trying to corral that guy extra hard because you're sliding around on the ground instead of if you had like slacks or jeans on. You would have That's some fair. friction to hold you on, and he's and and that entrance ramp is probably slick too because of the lights and stuff. So he's probably sliding around and shit trying to hold on to that guy too. That probably sucked. Yeah, that's that's probably really tough. Um, the uh, one other thing that was floating around, by the way, is since the discussion of fans jumping the guardrail stuff came up. Um, there was a someone posted a video on Reddit of a fan coming through the rail to square up on Jacob Fatu. Oh, I would not do that. You want to guess how well that went for him? No, not well. One hit, the guy goes down, starts to get up, wobbles and collapses, and Fatu gives him another boot to the gut while he's down. Oof. Then his friends start trying to pull him up, and Fatu wings a chair into the uh, the barrier right next to him. Well, like, we. 
we talked about that in Tim's stream last week. Is that's how often Sika got in? Yeah. And Tim actually knew the story. Like they would they would get rowdy if the heels were beaten up on Peter Maivia. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who was their relative? And like they would like mace them and stuff, and they would just like laugh it off, and they were just problems, and they were fine. Like just train them. Like, either train them or ban them from the arena. Yep. And I mean that. I mean, could you just think of those two guys like? Just a couple of 19-year-old dumbasses that just are problems. Yeah. Yeah. You don't give a fuck, and you mace you mace this guy, and he just, like, laughs at you. You better yeah. start running yeah. at that point. Just start running. Or they, think, they broke a uh, broke a nightstick over his head, and he went, don't you do that, brother. Didn't they have to, like, tase Ming multiple times at one point? Oh, I'm, I'm sure they did. It's funny, I'm when sure you see him do case. shoot stuff, he seems like such a nice old man, and then you know he bit a guy's nose off just to, <laughs> because he could. I, isn't that, like, his rep, though? Like, he's actually, like, a nice guy? He, and no, he that, also, he's seen... Go ahead. Cornette said that he is, like, the nicest, most patient guy, but for some reason, guys would always test him. Yeah, they'd want to <laughs> go at him. I can just imagine, he's so he seems soft-spoken, too. I can imagine he's just you tested me, brother, and it's just, <laughs> it's just like that's the point where you just need to stop. Yeah, because he that's, beat up you know, like it's gonna happen. He beat up like multiple Marines in a bar in a single sitting because they they fucked with him. That seems to be who who the the morons keep wanting to pick on is that that quiet you know uh, easygoing guy, and then all of a sudden. They find out it's like no, no, that's that's the wrong guy. I think I think the problem is, if I had to guess, what I think happens is, if you're like a hard ass like Ming, you know, and you know like you know there's no like just playing grab ass with people. Like if it's on, it's on. You try to be very accommodating of people that are kind of like starting to, you know, dip their toes in the water. And the kind of people that like to pick fights take that as a sign of weakness instead of you saving them from themselves. Yeah. And so they, they t- Go ahead. And so they push that even more, and then that's what happens. And so, like, Mitten is probably, like, a very nice, accommodating person when you start going that road, and then people think that's an invitation to try and step all over him, which then gets you severely beaten. It, that gets you in some trouble. Um, it, it's the, there's a great description um, that that is in the Dresden Files. It's like the guys who the really dangerous people. They don't posture. They don't shout. They don't anything. They just kind of take notice of what's going on. And if you know what's up, you leave them alone. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't. You know. Uh, there's there's just so many stories about you know island guys it's like you don't don't mess with they're super nice people but a lot of them are built big and they're built tough and just you know have fun have a drink with them don't do that stuff but you know here we are so what was the next thing we were going to get into brad um, hey, can we oh yeah oh i'm sorry matt what's up yeah. two things uh brad you're thinking of Jimmy Olsen, who okay. also wrestled as, as Equinox in Chikara. Okay, so that was he is his, Colin uh, Delaney's brother, I think. 
I think it's like storyline brother, right? Not real life brother. Maybe they they were because what was yeah they might have been storyline, but I know they were both Olsons at some point. Yeah, um, and now that Isaiah Swerve Scott is going to be back at least on the indie scene for a while unless AEW picks him up, which I actually I I'd probably recommend. And there's so many guys that are released now, but I would I would say they could probably take an interest in Shane Scott. I think he'd be a good Strickland. impact guy. He'd also be very good at impact, but that that only means that he can have this theme song again. I don't know if it's gonna come through. I'm playing it on my phone. Oh, there you go. <laughs> this is like the best fucking intro song for anyone. Yeah. Like in the entire wrestling universe, because it's just Chaka Khan. It takes a while to get done. Okay, well, speaking of AEW, we'll let this play a little bit. Um, <laughs> so we had Jay Lethal's debut on uh, Dynamite this week. Well, actually, this was a really great Dynamite. I thought from top to bottom, yeah, it was a good show. It was. Um, one of the, I would probably put it in my top eight Dynamites of all time. <laughs> really? Um, really good. Uh, they set up some really good angles there. They had um, Brian Danielson's kind of healing now, and he's going to go through the entire Dark Order. So we're getting yeah. um, we're getting Danielson versus Colt uh, this week. But the main event was Sammy Guevara defending the TNT title against Jay Lethal, and whoa, was this like a bomb fest of epic proportions! Mm-hmm. This seems to me exactly what they signed Jay Lethal for. Yeah. Um, and it, man, this was fun to watch. Did you go back and watch the Ishii match with Orange yeah. Cassidy? What did you think yeah. of him for your first impression of him as like a worker? I, I honestly, the first thought that came to mind for me is, what kind of work did he have to put in to get to? be regarded at the level he's regarded at now like for him to be able to do this stuff how much groundwork did he have to lay to get to this point because i mean what what do you mean exactly like just okay because in in the course of the match you know he comes in it well like the biggest spot in the match for him is butcher has him in the corner and you know hits him and he just kind of looks at him, and Butcher hits him, and Ishii starts walking out of the corner, and Butcher's walking backwards, but Butcher's the one hitting him all the way to the other corner, and Ishii's just like, "You're you're hitting me," and Butcher hits him and goes, "You're still hitting me." Like he doesn't, he's not saying anything, but he's just kind of looking at him, like this 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 uh, Japanese fireplug of a human being. Is mm-hmm. taking these shots and then walking, and I'm just thinking, like, how much work do, did he have to do to get his gimmick to this point? He's put in a solid decade of being this. Yeah. Okay. He's 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 basically done this for at least a decade, and he when he started doing this, like, it took a little bit of time for people to catch on, but once he started just consistently putting on like fucking bomber matches that were kind of flying under the radar, but people started to take notice. That's when he started exploding in popularity. He's just a fantastic worker. He'll have incredible matches with everyone. That Hanma match he had like like maybe six years ago now was just like off the charts amazing. 
it way better than it had any right to be considering that Hanma <laughs> is is limited. Yeah. All, I, I characterized him as a as a you know a um, a fire hydrant of a human being. He's really more kind of a like an English bulldog in human form. That lariat he <laughs> threw was sick. It was. You know what I like that he did though, and I wish someone else would do this. So Matt, he comes in and he clears the ring out, like kind of to save Orange Cassidy from a pin. Then he literally drags Orange Cassidy to their corner, climbs to the apron, tags himself <laughs> in, and comes in and proceeds yeah. to continue the beatings. That was a great spot. I love that. I can picture it in my mind. That's amazing. And um, his but like he he I think it was butcher he put the he put the larry down but it was i mean he he murdered him on that oh yeah one. he throws that a great lariat he's is, lost is weight that his... i think he's he's trimmed down since the last time i saw him hmm. is that ishii's go-to finish that that big lariat i think it's the suplex is his preferred oh no it's a sheer drop brain buster that's yeah. right okay all right i like that uh, i like that sheer drop brain buster there's this one um this is from a couple years ago. It's him and Suzuki, and they're just on the top of like on the top rope, and they're just headbutting each other, and you know because they're two psychopaths. Yeah. And it was just glorious. Yeah. Um, it it was fun to watch because you had you had two varieties of detached on one team because you had the orange cassidy pseudo slacker detached and then you had the ishii like just absolutely not giving a damn level of detached tagging with each other mm-hmm. uh even though orange cassidy kind of kicked into gear earlier than you might have expected him to but i think that was more of it's like ishii's here i can't just like you know slack um <laughs> And not saying that Orange slacks, but, you know, he can't take as long to build to to the Orange Cassidy high gear uh, kind of yeah. thing he does. But I also like that that match is something that AEW does a lot better is Rocky Romero is there. And you forget he's there until the heels start to go to get a screw job finish. And then Rocky Romero is there to neutralize the interference. And he comes he he went full out on him too. There was no he wasn't like okay you know I'm gonna do he was just like nope yeah <clears throat> getting throwing some hands here and then um so the main event was really great and then um oh well the also the Leo Rush and um Dante Martin Dante Martin versus oh who did they wrestle they wrestled uh, uh, the acclaimed yes that yeah. was also really yeah. good. That was a really good and, match. And they're, I, they're having a, a Dante Martin versus um, Bandito match at like that Warrior show. Yeah. Mm. I really actually like what they've been doing with Leo Rush and Dante Martin. Like mm-hmm. I, I actually like this tag team. They're really good, and they both do a lot of crazy shit that is really, really impressive to watch. Leo and Rush I just is... like. Leo Rush is just mm-hmm. stupid, like how effortless he makes like these ridiculous spots look. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen he him knows. live. I've seen him uh-huh. live and like he just he and Adam Cole had this match and they were going so fast through these spots like it was almost hard to watch because they were just going like 
90 miles an hour on each other. He has – Leo Rush has a level of smoothness that is, at least for me, is just so impressive to watch. It's like he puts no effort into anything. And he's and doing it, like it, 10 flips and it's like – it doesn't even look like he's trying. Like, yeah, we talk – you've seen Dante Martin do really impressive stuff. But Leo Rush is doing things – like, it It flows like water is how smooth it is. That's the thing that that gets me. Um, so that, that match was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And then Rampage happened, and I was blown away because Jade Cargill and Red Velvet had a really good match on Rampage. They worked hard for that. Red Velvet bumped I, like a motherfucker for Jade. I, I could – I could tell watching that match, they were working really hard to make it good. Because uh, Jade, like, Jade has a lot of athletic ability, and you can tell she's green, but Red Velvet really, like, walked her through a, a good match. Like, I was highly impressed with that. She she played... Um, she specifically played to Jade's strengths. and the, But on her offense, she was also certain to pick offense that was uh, probably easier for for jade to sell on and easier to hit like it it's it's you can uh, that was the thing that i got watching this is I, I was watching it going this is good and they are working hard it's like that match where you kind of just like eh, we'll just get through this and you get in a couple minutes and i'm like oh this could be something and they, then it's like wow this is like actually good <clears throat> Because there was one, I think she, like, tossed Red Velvet across the ring, and, like, it was just a great bump. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, she made yeah. she made Jade look like a monster. Yeah. It, it was... I could see the effort going on during this, and that was... That was... Uh, I, I appreciated it, because they did a good job. And the, they also um, did... The, the Hikaru Shida-Nyla Rose match was also really good. I didn't watch all of that. Nyla has improved of, like a ton over the last couple of years. When she started with AEW, she was she was okay. Like she had some okay stuff, but she um she was a little rough. I thought. Yeah, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I got I watched some of Rose Sheeta. I didn't watch all of it. Uh, just because I was trying to to catch high points um, in the time frame I was getting to watch it. I, I wasn't able to block the whole hour out, but uh, yeah, it, it, it was good. And then I thought um, the one negative I'll say is I don't think Bobby fish was a particularly good signing because he looked pretty washed in that tag at the end of rampage. It was, it was not hidden. Um, and that was like, Watching some Bobby Fish stuff, I realized, I was like, oh, this is kind of the style that I worked. But then watching, like watching uh, Fish in that match, I was like, um, you know, when when I was healthy, I was doing a lot of these, these I, like this is going to sound really egotistical for a guy who's, some some indie nobody versus a guy signed to a you know a TV contract. So I was doing some of these spots a lot better. I mean, Bobby you Fish know? was doing them a lot better when he was younger. Like he still bumps okay, but his offense looks really bad now. 
It it looked bad in that match. Like the the match this what was that last singles match he had? Was it Jungle Boy? Or Jungle was Boy it or Danielson, uh, I think. Whichever one it was, sorry, my cat was unhappy about something there. Um, it sounded like you got attacked. <laughs> no, she yelled about something and then ran off. That, I guess I was, she's a Bobby Fish fan along with I was being waiting a Sabu for the yelps. I thought the cat sank its fangs into you. <laughs> no, no, I, it sounded I like that, right? Yeah. That, that, that doesn't work for me, brother. I don't sell for that. It sounds um, like your cat went feral on you for a minute there. No, she was just unhappy talking bad about Bobby Fish. I guess talking bad about someone with the word fish in her, in his name it upset her. But um, the uh, that completely threw my train of thought off. <laughs> I'll just let that die then. But yeah, it was a good week of AEW programming. And um, also on... There are a couple of Chikara alums on Elevation this week. Uh, uh, Race Jakeson, who was also the blank, I think Matt said. And then there was someone else yes. that was a, a Chikara guy. Also, oh, Jasper uh, Tippins was on there. Uh, blank has also wrestled on the indie scene as Lash. Uh, he's Lash. Well, hold on. Let me look at it. Lash, Lash Logan. LaRue. Logan. Is, Logan no, LaRue. He's not Lash LaRue. He's like Logan yeah. LaRue. Logan LaRue. He does like a rich boy gimmick. He was in um, yes. CWF Mid-Atlantic for a while, I believe. Oh, also Willow Nightingale was on was on um, Elevation. Uh, and also, uh, this is she's I think she's Washington, D.C.-based. She does a lot of Washington, D.C. Um, stuff, in, or has in the past. Uh, Trisha Dora, who was most recently with uh, Ring of Honor, like she did a, uh, a match. I can't, I don't know if it was on Elevation or Dark, but she was on that. Uh, and she actually, I, I kind of wish she would get uh, signed or form a relationship because I actually think she is talented and could be a star for them down the road. It's kind of one to watch, I think. Yeah, they have quite a few people I think I'm interested in. But I have to say, um, Jungle Boy is actually starting to cut decent promos too. You can yes. see Christians like rubbing off on him in a good way. He had one of the best lines I've heard recently. Did you see the promo he cut on like Bobby Fish? I did, but which line are you referring to? It's, he's like, first time I saw a Bobby Fish match was when I beat him. <laughs> it's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, damn, that's like icy as hell. Yeah. That That is, that is, that is a fantastic burn. Wow. He had a little like attitude there. I like it. Yeah, that is a good one. He's 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 growing well and, um, you know, kind of uh, he's growing well and 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 but it's it's steady. So it doesn't feel out of place. It's not like big jumps. It's it's good. It's good. It's a kind of a low key, steady push. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I go back a second to um, talk about Leo Rush? Mm-hmm. He had retired and then. He basically like Tony Khan. It sounds like reading between the lines, Tony Khan kind of talked him into unretiring, uh, and you know obviously offered him a contract. And he's been working with them, especially in the Dante Martin program for a while. But looking at him and seeing his ring work, uh, Brad would probably be the one to give a, his yay or nay on this because he's seen more of it. To me, he comes off very much 
like a Dragon Gate guy. And I say that yeah, he positively. Does. Like he he's, does. He comes off like a Dragon Gate guy where he the speed, the technical proficiency, the moves he can pull he's, to make the way he can a, make everything seem seamless. It's he's he's fantastic. He I'm going to I'm going to totally butcher the word, but he's um he wrestles very much in that style of the lucha wrestle. Yes. Which is what Dragon's yeah. Gate is. Um, it's very much, it's very much like a, a hybrid of that. But he does it very well. Actually, probably yeah. better than even most of the guys in, in Dragon Gate does. Um, yeah. But yeah, I like him a lot. And uh, he also seems like, it also seems like he had some mental health issues and let the WWE get to him. But is generally seems to be well liked by his peers, unlike ACH, who people don't seem to like very much. <laughs> And I think I think you're right. I think he did have some mental health issues, but it actually it it's again you have to read everything between the lines because we don't know the full story. But some of the stuff that Leo Rush has mentioned on social media, he specifically is talking about how Tony Khan would have conversations with him, and again it seems like he talked him back into wrestling. And I don't know if he like made assertions or he was just saying like come work for us like our, we have a better environment and. He convinced Leo Rush, and so far it seems like it's been panning out, and Leo Rush seems happy. And it kind of goes to my theory. I've said this before, but I think Tony Khan just – I think for a guy who's – he's a boss. He has to make decisions, but he seems like he is a good boss. Like he actually seems to care about the people that he employs and wants to make sure that they are taken care of. If – I don't – I don't know what people's contract situations are like, anything like that, but he seems like he is trying to create a positive environment, and that's probably why everyone wants to go there, not just because they're like the hot promotion, but because people seem to really enjoy working there, and they have some creativity uh, and freedom with how they're presenting stuff. Um, I don't know. It, it's We live in a day and age where like people have literally, in the last couple of years, unfortunately, people have, wrestlers have killed themselves because of things that are going on with mental health and things like that. So if he is actually creating an environment that is positive and we're going to diminish that sort of thing, that's, that's a big plus. Yeah. So then I guess the, the main event for our evening show is we finally <laughs> made it guys. We finally <laughs> got here. Finally. Uh, it was a struggle. Oh God, it was. I, I knew we were in Come bad shape. So far and tried so hard. I still um I still like the GWF because of things that happen after the tournaments, but when we got to about yes. episode four, I knew we were in trouble. <laughs> because it just they they made a they made they could have made this tournament so much better than they did. Yes. Yeah. So the so episode seven, if you look it up on YouTube, whoever did it, I think just said fuck it and put the la- the two yeah. matches on there by themselves instead of what what was obviously going to be like a whole episode of recaps and like useless promos. Yeah, they 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 had come as far as we had and decided no, I'm not I'm not doing this. Yeah. So I can't be mad at them. So we um, get um so as as what happened last time, we got to our we got to their strange little three guys are in the final so buddy landell wins the coin toss and he goes to the final final match and we get the what do we want to call it like the pre-final which is um the patriot versus conan chris walker i was gonna say this the semi semi-final 
That's a good way to call it. Um, and or, I was not the looking... final semifinal. I don't know. <laughs> so uh, this is the, so they they have to wrestle first on this to get to Buddy Landell in the final. Um, I think Matt summed this match up best. The Patriot tried really hard. He tried. He tried <laughs> real hard. He he tried so hard. Yeah. He had to sit there in a headlock most of the match, but this is the the announcers drove me bonkers in this match for two reasons. Number one, they called it a scientific matchup. It's like, guys, this is this was not signed. This match was a a basic bitch match. Like mm-hmm. they did nothing complicated in this no. match. This is as basic and, bitch as kite man. Yeah, this yeah. this was this was. This was the live, laugh, love of a wrestling match almost. But Chad, um, what? he was in there with Conan Chris Walker. He wasn't uh-huh. in there with, with, with Bubba Fank or Izzy Slapowicz. <laughs> oh, God, you just pulled an ICW one. <laughs> Did you hear that? I, yes. I had to write that down because Scott Hudson threw that out there. Yeah, he did. And I'm like, who the fuck is he talking so about? I actually um... thought, I thought he made up. I thought he made up names. I did I too. I actually thought like, let me throw out some nonsense names as like an example of like schlubs. But then I like yeah. Google them, and I'm like, oh my god, they were actual workers. At the he time. was um yeah he was. So he was like a manager in ICW, and mm-hmm. um I'm only gonna I'm only gonna cross reference it. Um, because we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but even being a stereotypical Jew manager, he was still less of a stereotypical Jew than J- Judd Hirsch in um, Independence Day. Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> that is not a callback I expected tonight. No, because I, I just I don't remember why I was thinking about that, but we we're going off about that just because of. I think that's a. a a pretty standard critique of that movie though yeah you'll all be dead if not for my son david yes yeah it's like how it's like the i mean they, they <laughs> opie and anthony back in the day have covered this with the late great patrice o'neill but it's like they it's almost like they went to judd hirsch and it's like look i need you to like think of how like the most jew you could possibly be and then crank that up <laughs> to like 10 even he, further not not to not to call out for another podcast on our podcast but what it reminds me of i never is yeah you know is if you if you've ever listened to last podcast on the left henry zabrowski's rendition of david berkowitz as (laughs) as the most as like as um kyle broflowski's cousin as david berkowitz uh, you know, allergic to everything, afraid of everything, all that sort of that. That's that's what like that's that gag played straight in a major motion picture. And I'm I like, uh, they'll give me gaze. I can't, you know, yeah, I, I I I had to use this particular weapon because you know the other one I tried it the the grips on it gave me a rash. I think I was allergic, and I'm just like. <laughs> Wow! I still oh, like how that. Got... I, I didn't think I could be offended on someone else's behalf, but suddenly I am. <laughs> I just wow. I still like that they turned that around on them at the end, and he's like, "I'm leaving, guys. You're just too lame." <laughs> I was thinking of also the na- the neighbor on um, Family Guy. 
Of uh, Mort? Yeah, Mort. Mort Golden. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I know what you're talking about. But yeah, so he's, he's like, he's essentially, like, a stereotype. Um, mm. But less yeah. so than Judd Hirsch, which might be, like, the... Judd Hirsch might almost be like those World War II propaganda um, things that they did in Germany. Like, he's about on that level of offensive in how stereotypical he is. It was it was it was pretty bad. Um, Another thing the announcers drove me crazy with in this match to get back from our weird digression there. um, What do not talk about them being even because that's not even remote. And second, stop talking about what their bodies look like for God's sake. Can we please not have this again? I just, please. I know that's like a wrestling insider thing, but I just, it, it I just don't it's like, look. I know you're trying to sell them on their look, but quit talking about it so much. It, it's, mm-hmm. I kept waiting for it to get even weirder than it did in that one Patriot match. It's like, because it was Scott Hudson. What's the other guy's name? I keep forgetting. Craig Johnson. Okay, I kept waiting for him to be like, they're taut, strong, oily bodies rubbing up against each other. And Scott Hudson's going, dude, what are you doing? I nothing. No, it's like I was it's waiting weird, for right? It's like, hey, Craig, yeah. look at these, look at these Polaroids I took of the Patriot in his house when he didn't know I was in his tree. <laughs> did, you, did you see? flexing just just flexing and it's like okay i don't even think you know what you know what annoys me is i don't even think chris walker has that great of a body he's got a lot of definition but but... he's like he's like short and stumpy like like if if you were to say like who has a better body between the patriot and chris walker i'd say the patriot does because his body's like proportioned properly and chris walker is not (laughs) yeah I'm just saying you I'm not gonna what? go I'm not gonna go much past that, but I just for all the all the talk around Chris Walker and his body in the GWF and like outside media and stuff, I've watched yeah. this stuff and I've been like, you know, his body isn't even that good. It it's I mean it's got a lot of definition, but and then I look at my notes here. Do you know what I put after that whole announcer thing? This match is so basic. It annoyed me so much. It's like, this is one of the hallmark matches of the tournament. I would and not this have. this is what you had to. Uh, I would not have. In no world should these two have been in the ring together. No. Like, this was, this right. was, this was some booking malfeasance, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, this was, this was not the right choice. Sorry, I was trying to mollify my, my feline a little bit. Okay. Um, um but, sorry about that. But in contrast, and we did this on I think this is on the recap episode we did way a couple years ago, but so in yeah. contrast though, the Patriot versus Buddy Landell was very good. Yes. So the finish on Patriot Chris Walker, interestingly enough, they have to get somebody else to get the interesting finish in. Patriot misses the Patriot missile, right? So Walker goes to jump on the Patriot, and Landell shoves walker so he'll crash and burn and patriot gets the win landell does this so that he can have he can take on patriot who's who's hurting okay because patriot like put it ended up with his shoulder in the ring post at some point i think Mm -hmm. um so the the idea is that landell cheats on patriot's behalf so that patriot he can face patriot who's hurt see i okay I think okay. I would 
I think um I think in logic world we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna think about this way too much here. Um I think if I was Buddy Landell, I would take a gassed Chris Walker that's wrestled a match <laughs> over an injured Patriot just because just based on what we've seen of the two of them so far, like I think Patriot is far more even hurt is a far more dangerous competitor than Chris Walker. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming. What do you think, man? Uh, the one thing I didn't like about this finish, um, it, I didn't like how, I mean, Landale did shove Walker off, uh, but then Patriot like immediately pinned him, which mm-hmm. it's like for pure white meat baby face Patriot, that seemed a little like heelish, but uh I guess not really. I guess the the attitude should be like, well, he's just taking advantage of, you know, an opportunity there. Right. I don't. I don't like. Um, I don't like like the mincing baby face that's gonna be all like, oh no, what shall I do because this heel cheated? Um, do I take advantage or do I do the moral thing? And to me, it's just like motherfucker, just pin the guy. If you're gonna do the principled baby face thing, you don't have him go back and forth. He just stands up. And he points at Landell and he points at Walker and he tells the ref what happens. Like you, that's you don't you don't mince back and forth if you're going to portray the the principled baby face. You just do it. Or um. Or you have him just take the win. Well, no. Or you have him punch Landell off the apron and then go for the pin. Yeah. As opposed yeah. to, you know, just being. Anyway, then we go into Landell versus Patriot. And um, if Landell was still alive, I would figure out his address or find him on social media and be like, we're going to send you an MVP trophy for this because you deserve it. <laughs> he would he was so good in this the tournament. It, it was really this tournament was at points a slog to get yeah. through, yeah. but he did everything he could to make this tournament as good as it could be. He was great in promos. He was great in his matches. Uh, this finale, like, was no no exception. He, the thing I loved best, you said this, Brad. The thing I loved best about Landell and all this is just he's just such a dick. You could just sell it. <laughs> this guy's just a scumbag. Just going out there, like, cutting promos like a dick, like taking taking cheap shots, taking advantages, cheating where he could. Cheating, like he, cheating mat, not even because uh, he needed to, just because he could. Yes. Like, just a dick. And, and he tried to pull it off again, where he, like, blatantly is putting his feet on the ropes in front of the ref when he's trying to pin the Patriot. And, That's what I said, is that his finish in this tournament was the feet on the ropes. Yeah. And the ref caught him this time, and he's like... It, it led to the, the actual pinfall, where he, like, basically, like, pulls Landell off. It's like, no, you can't do that. And then they got into, like, a shoving match. Mm-hmm. And that allowed the, the Patriot to just do a roll up uh, from behind and pin him, which uh, I mean, Patriots could like your he's basically he was like the GWF ace. Yeah. Where he's like your your big face, like you're pushing him. So I, I didn't quite like that. It was like a, basically a cheap victory. But well, he always they did kind of. I was just thinking mm-hmm. about you talking about that. And I'm like, you know, he kind of didn't like he kind of got most of his wins off of like some sort of blown up chicanery going on around him kind of uh i don't like that for a guy you're gonna push this like your main face but it, yeah it did it did logically make sense because he had his arm worked over 
with the match with Walker and with Landell. So you could make the argument like he was he was beat up and wounded uh, here at the finish. So he he did what he had to do to to get the win. The thing that annoyed me about this match is this is the capper, right? This is the big finish. It was basically a squash until Patriot rolled him up is what it felt like to me. Like Landell's doing all the work. He's basically squashing Patriot, which, yeah, he's putting in the work and taking advantage, but there's no comeback. There's no fire up. It's just, uh, roll up, we're done. And I'm like, was Patriot too blown up to actually, like, do the, what's, what's the deal here? I mean, Patriot would have probably wrestled three times on this taping. No, he probably wrestled four times on this taping, maybe five times. I, I don't know. I, I, it just, it seems like a bad choice to me to be like, Hey, I've kicked it. I've kicked you around this entire match, and now you're going to win the title because you rolled me up. This is the kind of thing I think you come back the next show and like have them do a rematch. Well, I mean, Landell could have cut a promo and been obnoxious to get that, sure. Yeah, but uh, I'm pretty sure this is it for Buddy and... Oh, is it? Yeah, he... he, uh, he I think he no-shows and then gets fired. But oh, well, yeah, that'll do it. Because, you know... That... Um, that's the Landell special, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, so yeah, the tournament is thankfully in the ground. I would have to say, like, before this tournament, I would have been down if we just decided we want to watch all of the GWF chronologically. But, like, to me now, I'm just like, God, I could not face down, like, going right into that light heavyweight tournament off of this and going through all of this again. No, I can't do that. It's... I need a I need a GWF break for a little while after this. Well, no, I think I think if we we're gonna do more GWF, but I think we're gonna I think we're gonna do like the Terry Garvin versus like Eddie Gilbert feud, and you know kind of break things up. But th- this really this really started dragging by about episode three and four. Yeah, this was wearing me out. This was yeah, this was this was wearing me out in a big way. Because where it wore me out is. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad enough to be fun. It wasn't like watching it, Herb Abrams UWF where you could just like you could just keep watching because like you're just it's almost like a car crash. You need to like know if like you're going to see brains. Um, and well, and you didn't have there wasn't even there wasn't a whole lot for me to get like mad about even like just it just felt tired for a lot of it. Yeah, because like I said, nothing was nothing. You couldn't really sink your teeth into the bad. It was just kind of like, well, this is just kind of there. Like, yeah. oh look, Billy Black. I'm sure this is going to be another underwhelming match that's not like hilariously terrible. It's just going to yeah. be boring. Yeah, that sounds about right. So Matt, do you have any any closing thoughts on? this tournament it well we're gonna rebook it so i feel like us rebooking it will make it as it should have been but yeah it sh- it should not have been the way that it was i did like i did for as much of like a pain as it could be through i did like that they clearly identified 
guys that you should care about and guys that they kind of wanted to push in the future as like uh you know big deals on the face and heel side so i like that i really do think that if you're doing like a tournament that is a way that you're kind of trying to establish guys i just felt like this could have been tightened up a lot um I guess you said you know Bill Eady was the, the booker. Like he had a lot of growing pains here. Yeah. Um, but I I did at point see what he was trying to do. So I do I did appreciate that, and, and I think ultimately the right guy went over in the tournament. And I feel like I feel like that's also some of the frustration with with Bill Eady's booking is he made a lot of unforced errors. But there's a there is a real flair of creativity in what he was doing too. So, like, he wasn't just outright bad. It was, like, this guy that's been around kind of knew what he was supposed to do and had, like, some creative ideas. But, like you said, they're just obvious growing pains with what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so, I, think, I think if we do... I think he's. I think he wrestles in the North American tournament as um, Axis the Demolisher. Hmm. Oh, really? He does a couple matches in the GWF. That's interesting. Yeah. We might have to seek that out whenever we come back, find a couple of... I'm sure they're bad, but I'd be interested to know if he like comes out to like the demolition music and stuff, because he owned the gimmick. Oh, he did, didn't he? Yep. That's a good point. So I think that'll about wrap us on this one, won't it? Yep. I would say um, seek other things in the GWF. <laughs> yeah. It, this is, it's weird. This is just really, really weird. Um, because there's there's stuff in it that's that's good and fun, but it's it's not worth the tournament as a whole. Well, yeah, there we go. I think uh, I think it's I think that's it for this week. We yep. will we will be coming back actually next week with rebooking this tournament to make it less. Yes. Of a mm-hmm. Yes. We're going to come back and put our spins on it. So with all that being said, this is Shad with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth and we will catch you next time. OK. <laughs>